As we pause for a moment from the scriptures, stories, and songs of this special evening, I would invite you to join me in considering this Christmas Eve the relationship between waiting, weariness, and wonder, particularly as they relate to that first Christmas. I have found that there are two main types of waiting. There is a type of waiting when we are not sure if the object of our waiting will ever actually happen. This could be called wishful waiting. We are waiting for something that we want to occur, but it is not up to us to attain it, and it has not been promised to us by anyone with the ability to deliver it. So we wish for something, but we do not necessarily expect it to happen. The other type of waiting occurs when we are waiting for something that we know will happen. A promise has been made by one with the capacity to provide what has been promised. This could be called hopeful waiting. Now, despite the general confusion that often arises about the distinction between wishing and hoping, the two are not synonymous. To wish is to desire an ideal, even one that is recognized as being unattainable. Hope, on the other hand, and particularly biblical hope, describes a confident expectation of a promised and anticipated reality. Hopeful waiting is not a matter of if, but when, for we know that the promise will be fulfilled eventually. Oh, how we can come to loathe that word eventually while we wait. The Old Testament passages that were read earlier this evening spoke of promises made, promises that would be fulfilled, which were made by the sovereign Lord of all creation. These were not mere wishes from the hearts and minds of a fallen humanity. These were guarantees made by the almighty God of the universe one who is undeniably able to do what he declared he would do eventually. And the unknown of when is where the weariness enters the waiting. Small, almost unnoticeable at first, the weariness of waiting can grow quickly, almost exponentially while we wait, compounding over and over. The weariness of waiting is often fertile soil for frustration and doubt, even anger and despair. This weariness can become almost unbearable. In fact, the wisest man of the Old Testament era once said that a hope deferred makes the heart sick. How true that is. The weariness of waiting and all that accompanies it can infect the hearts of those who hope for what has not come to pass attacking and weakening them from the inside out. And yet this same wise sage said in almost the same breath that a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. Could Solomon possibly have known the power and profundity of the image he chose to describe that longing fulfilled? A tree of life. We now know from the natural sciences that a tree is a living organism that not only gives life to more trees through bearing and casting its seeds, nuts, or fruits, 
But trees also sustain the life of other organisms by cleaning and purifying the air. Perhaps you remember from middle school science class that through the process known as photosynthesis, trees literally take in the impurities and contaminants of this fallen world and transform them back into life-giving and life-sustaining oxygen. Perhaps you learned something as a 12-year-old that the wisest man of his era couldn't possibly have known. But somehow, he did know. Somehow, through divine inspiration, Solomon knew that the fulfillment of humanity's greatest hope and deepest longing would both give and sustain life for countless multitudes. In the scripture from, Jer- scripture from Galatians that was shared during the lighting of the Christ candle on the Advent wreath, the Apostle Paul exclaimed, When the set time had fully come, God sent his Son, born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. It should bring us some comfort that the time had been set. There was no mystery in heaven about when the Christ would come. The only uncertainty was here on earth. So when was this set time determined? When was this divine rescue mission planned on our behalf? When was the solution to humanity's sinful rebellion ordained? Believe it or not, it was prior to the creation of the world that would be fallen and redeemed. It was before humanity was created in the image of God, which we would tarnish through sin and transgression for centuries. It was in the opening of his letter to the church at Ephesus that the Apostle Paul revealed this to us when he said, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us to be adopted as his sons and daughters through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him, in Jesus, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. This It's the good news of the gospel of God's glorious grace to all who would receive it. This is the good news of God acting on our behalf in love to not only choose us and adopt us, but also to redeem us and to forgive us completely. But it is good news that comes with a choice to either embrace or reject the gift that has been offered. This glorious grace is not forced upon us. It is offered to us from the moment this glorious grace appeared. There have been many who have rejected it. In the Gospel of John, we are told that he, that Jesus, was in the world and that though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, to the nation of Israel, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. To those who believed in his name. The good news of God's grace 
is not just good. It is incredibly good, so far beyond what we could have wished or imagined. So what happens when what arrives at the end of the waiting, when the weariness has reached its peak and is ready to completely overwhelm, what happens when what appears is infinitely greater than anything we could have possibly hoped for or expected? That is when the wonder sparks, first with our recognition of it, and then it grows with our awareness of just how extraordinary it really is until it exceeds our capacity to grasp, and we must surrender our attempts to fully comprehend it as we simply marvel at the miracle of it all. And this is what happened for all who have believed at Christmas. This is what has been done for us. Israel was hoping for a Messiah that would deliver them from a foreign oppressor, a single nation hoping for deliverance from the empire that had conquered them. What appeared instead was deliverance from the power of sin and death forever, made available to all people in all places at all times. And it came in the form of a newborn baby in a small town to simple people in meager circumstances. As the song we sang earlier says, this baby was born a child and yet a king. Jesus was born to establish a new kingdom, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven that would surpass all the lesser kingdoms of this world and even transcend this world, ushering its subjects into the new heaven and the new earth. That is what we celebrate at Christmas. May the wonder of what has been done for us in Christ enable us to wait without weariness for his return and empower us to love without limit as we spread the good news of his glorious grace to a world that desperately needs to hear it. As we sing these final songs, the lights will be dimmed and I will bring the light of the Christ candle down to let it illuminate the sanctuary through the candles you received on the way in. This symbolizes Christ's light coming into this world. All of the children are invited to once again use their quiet feet to come forward and meet with Pastor Sandy right down in the center here, where they will receive an LED candle and be invited to help us lead in singing Silent Night, Holy Night. Please do be careful as you light the candles, always tipping the unlit candle toward the lighted candle and always keeping the lighted candles upright. Also, please do not attempt to photograph your child while you are lighting and holding your candles. A high-quality video of this entire evening will be available on our YouTube page following the close of the service. For those of you joining us at home, I would encourage you to dim your lights as well and light a candle where you are, if you are able.